0: Welcome to Indie Dots, the podcast that shares the stories of independent creators. I'm your host, Susan Bond. Today on the show, I have Lynn Fisher, who is an artist and a designer. I love what she says. She says, I specialize in lighthearted projects that make people say, I don't get it. And some of her projects are Single Dev, Airport Codes, YAZ, Top Chef Stats, and Hollywood Age Gap. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. It's awesome to be here. Would
0: you say that a lot of your work is, I mean, I know you say that you make things for web and walls. Uh, How would you describe, I guess, how would you describe your work to anybody, you know, overall? Like, what do
1: you do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, it's kind of hard, I think a lot of, I joke a lot about people responding to my work with like, I don't get it. So I kind of lead with that sometimes where, you know, I do things that are a little bit weird. <laughs>
0: I love that, <laughs> I love that.
1: Uh, so I, I think my approach to art specifically, and I do consider a lot of my side projects art as opposed to like design or development type work. Um, but I think of the things that I love or things that interest me or something that I um, want to discover and that I want to share with people essentially and you know I always kind of think of art as being something that you share with someone else there's Mm -hmm. a good Seth Godin quote about like art is a gift a personal gift that you that changes the recipient I think is the quote and so I really kind of attach to that and I say you know um, like for an example like my airport codes project um, I connected with someone once about oh you know those three letter airport codes they're just kind of weird and it's kind of fascinating this like history behind them um and just kind of latching onto this idea that's like every time i talk about it with someone there's kind of a spark like oh yeah that is weird and like you know i'm interested in looking into that and so taking this concept um creating some visual component to it and then sharing it on the web the web is just the medium that i work in and that i think um is cool that you can really share your work far and wide as opposed to maybe some more traditional art mediums and so that's kind of the approach i take when i start a new project is like what's kind of a weird idea that i think people will respond to or find joy in
0: yeah and and i love that you think of your work as art even though it's online you know a lot of times people might think of it as code or digital and you, you think of it as art and this whole experience of sharing with other people
1: Hmm. yeah and art i think a good benchmark is where people say like, why, why do this? Or why on the web? Like, why does this need to be in CSS? Or why does this need to be whatever it is? Um, and I think that's a good conversation to have. And I think that's something that art uniquely does is where people wonder like, why is this important? Or why would someone make this, you know?
0: Well, yeah, as a complete aside, I went to the Guggenheim this weekend and we saw an exhibit by Don Vo, D-A-N-H and then V-O. Have you ever heard of this artist? No. Really fascinating work. And and what he did was he, it, there's this really interesting series, it's sort of commenta- commentary on political stuff, capitalism. And he had all these letters from Kissinger uh, about the ballet and getting theater tickets. And he also had all these, uh, he took Uh, chairs that he bought from the Kennedy administration and ripped them up into pieces and like stripped the chairs down and put them on the wall. And it was so interesting, just the choices that he made and the conversation that we had that fascinated me, right? Like why that? Why, why, why was it all so many things from, you know, that administration or, and he took like small little, the edges, the ends of pens of caps, they were like more like oh, not cat, fountain, fountain type, but you know, maybe kind of fountain kind of pen types. Yeah. And just fascinated me the choices that he made. And I was asking those exact questions, like why yeah. that?
1: That's cool too. I think that totally fits into the idea that like the material you choose to work with, it gives the work meaning, right? And so, and I think about that on the web too, where, um, you know, the work that you do on the web or maybe in a gallery, like even if it's similar Theme or content or material—I mean, just the place that you experience the work changes the work too. I think that's really fascinating.
0: Well, right, like in the Guggenheim, you—you know—you walk up circular. The first time I'd ever been there, and you're—you're you're walking. It's all along. You're just kind of like in this circular motion, going up through this building, and it's like almost like a breadcrumb trail.
1: Yeah. And I
0: was really curious, like, okay, well, why did they choose to put this here versus that there?
1: Yeah.
0: And and it always fascinates me. So. And it sounds like with your projects, that's, you you invite that? You invite those questions or the, the wonderings?
1: Yeah. I really like when people ask that or, you know, when people get confused and say, well, which is it art or design or what is it development or art? And, um, I love that, (laughs) you know, I love kind of blurring the edges between disciplines or categories that people like to put things in.
0: Would you say that your art intends to be useful?
1: Or, or is it not? Does
0: that is that not? Does that not matter to you?
1: It doesn't. <laughs> I think, I think by like most people's standards, it's not useful. A lot of it, I think, people might describe as trivia. Um, but I think it's useful in other ways, um, in terms of like bringing joy or sharing in the things we love or building connection and maybe some more of the softer kind of useful that we think of. Um, But yeah, as far as Mm. especially some of my CSS experiments and things like it, um, people fight it because it's not useful. It's almost the opposite of it. It's not the thing that you would use in a project. And um, I kind of like that.
0: Yeah. And are you thinking specifically of a single div when you mention that? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk more about a, a single div. By the way, before we do that, one of the I can testify that one of the things that connected me with you was your Top Chef stats.
1: Oh, awesome! Because
0: I'm a huge fan of oh, cooking perfect. shows and Top Chef, and so it really. I I looked through it several times, like, oh, I can't even remember the statistics now, but they were like, I was like, oh, wow, look at that. Oh, I'm learning new (laughs) things and I'm connected to her. This is awesome. I was like, I'm already going to like her.
1: Oh, awesome. I love that site. That one is one of the ones that's very specific, I think, of like who is going to connect with. But um, yeah, a lot of people have reached out. I think it's just like a fun thing that people really latch on to. Yeah,
0: right, because Top Chef, folks who love Top Chef, it's a very specific Sort of audience, yeah, right. Like you like it or you don't. I mm-hmm. mean, I I, my, I think some of my favorites were the chefs who are not here to make friends. Oh yes, I there's love always that. That, there's always that trope, right? In yep. re- reality, you know. And I was like, oh yeah, it is here. So I felt like when I wa- when I was reading through this, it helped me to sort of think through and deepen my experience of the show. Yeah. To think about, oh, how did that happen? Oh and also like this is this is top chef, not a personality contest, oh, right? Yeah. Or a popularity contest or a butt rubbing contest. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, short chefs you described as a force to be reckoned with. Like it just it, again, it really helped uh, deepen my appreciation of the show. And that also I could see the work that you'd put in there because obviously that's a lot of viewing and data gathering hmm Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a force to be reckoned with. Wow. That's, like, that's, that's a really... How, how did you even get that? You know yeah. what I mean? How, was that hard to find? Did you watch all of the episodes?
1: So I did watch all of the episodes um, again, which I watched them quite... I, you know, I do repeat viewings. Uh, but I did watch them all again to gather the data. But one thing that was helpful is a friend of mine helped me scrape the closed captioning data from their videos. And so I could uh, ah. do some word searching, so that did help a lot. Got it. Yeah. Got
0: it. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Well, we won't talk about top chef all day. <laughs> um, we'll go back to uh, we'll go back to a, a single div. Yeah. So so and you were talking about how folks almost push against it, but let's talk about what it is for folks who don't know.
1: Yeah. So a single div is basically my digital sketchbook experiment. Um, that I've been working on for almost four years now. And basically what it is, is taking um, one div and making an illustration with as much CSS as is allowed basically. Going back many years, I've seen lots of people using CSS to draw images. And I thought that was always just really fascinating using CSS as an artistic medium like that. Um, And lots of the ones I'd seen had whole lot of markup along with a lot of css you know 40 divs or something like that and so i thought it would be cool if i could try to do some impressive illustrations but with this really kind of strict restraint of one div and so that's kind of where it started and why one div? why did you stick with that yeah so where that kind of stemmed from was i went to fine art school And a lot of the exercises that we'd do while we were learning was to create these kind of strict restraints that we had to work within so that we could push ourselves, um, learn, but also learn the medium that we were working with. So Mm -hmm. like one example would be like when in my painting class, you had to do all of these self portraits, but you could only use, you know, four or five colors, this like very strict color palette, including, and one color that was absolutely not allowed was black. And so how do you create dark tones without using black? Essentially black is a crutch and there's like, you need to learn light, you need to learn the paint and the medium. And so another example is like, oh, let's create uh, a rich painting with only the primary colors. So you have to mix all your colors yourself instead of buying you know tubes of the pre-made paint. And what that did was you really have to stretch yourself and you have to think about using your materials in um, a creative way. And I think that's, a just a good exercise and so i wanted to kind of translate that to html and css which is the medium that i work with now and so basically using one div was creating this constraint that i had to like think creatively around
0: when you're in fine art school is that pretty typical that they use these constraints as a way to learn or expand creativity
1: i think so i think i mean i only have my experience, but I did, I studied, my emphasis was in intermedia, which meant that I did a lot of different types of art. So that was, I guess, across the mediums, it's true, um, Mm. where, you know, in, I took, you know, three sculpture classes and the way that they would handle, you know, you can create anything out of, you know, a sculpture out of anything. Uh, but what they would do is for each level they would limit it to a specific material and so the one i found most challenging was in one of my upper level sculpture classes we were limited to steel and so you're essentially only creating steel sculpture and that was really interesting to create you know organic shapes out of this really rigid material Um, so yeah it seems like that is kind of a repeating thing where um, limit the material limit the concept limit um, the time as another one you know hey let's do a drawing but you only have two minutes um, so create, you know, putting a constraint in, I think pushes you and focuses you and helps you learn.
0: And as you can tell, I'm fascinated with this, right? Like I'm like, ooh, constraints. And I've heard other folks talk about it, but I don't know that we've had anyone talk about it on this show. So I'm really fascinated. Was it hard at first? The constraints? Did it challenge you, or or you know, or was it sort of? Did you find it more exhilarating?
1: I think a little bit of both. I think, you know, as I was doing drawings, um, you know, there are points where you hit a a little bit of a wall and you're like, gosh, maybe this thing I'm trying just isn't possible or like, oh, I wish I had just one more div or what maybe I wish I had just maybe this CSS property, I wish it could do this instead. And so there was some frustration and some, it was challenging. I think um, what's cool about the project is that I've kind of left every drawing as is at the time that I created it, even though now I could probably go back and do it with less CSS or do it in a more creative way. And what happened is like one time I sat down to draw um, a cassette tape in CSS and I couldn't quite get there and it was I was struggling pretty hard. And I was like, well, I guess I just can't draw that. And then a couple months later I re- revisited it and I was able to do it, I could see it. And I, so I think it also showed the progression of my thinking um, and my skills that I was learning and growing, which was really cool.
0: So you started a single div to just to sort of play with this constraint
1: yeah the concept of practice is big with me too where um, i think just creating and trying new things and practicing what i want to do and i think illustrators do it a lot especially um, design you know web designers who are also illustrators like like post like doing a quick sketch and posting it to dribble or something like that so this was kind of my daily exercise it wasn't daily but you know a recurring exercise of like okay let's try this thing and then I'll share it and then I'll be done with it
0: did you intend for it to become you know what I mean like a project project or was it just sort of something you got started with that
1: kept going yeah I don't know I think I I started it thinking it would be ongoing but I didn't know how long it would be ongoing or how you know, I thought maybe after a handful, i there wouldn't be more to do with it, or more to learn with it, or I would just be so limited by the constraints that maybe I, it would just be done. But I've found that um, as I go, I think about thing. I've been thinking about the canvas differently of the browser, thinking about visually how to express different shapes. And so I think it's made me both a better illustrator and just understand CSS better. And so it, I think it just lent itself well to be an ongoing project. Um, and I think people really responded to it in a positive and encouraging way. And so I think that also um, encouraged me to keep going. Mm.
0: Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the response. So did you, how soon after you made, is the camera the first one?
1: Yeah, the camera was the that's first what one.
0: I, that's what I thought. Yeah. And and did you put, how soon did you start putting these out in, in terms of like, cause I'm interested in people's response. Like when, at what point did, did you get? feedback or thoughts or reactions from others.
1: Right, so I once I did the camera one, I put I put it up on a GitHub Pages site and tweeted it out and it, a lot of people responded to it and were kind of fascinated by it or curious how it worked. And so I did a few more and with each subsequent one, I think more people kind of got, got interested in it, asked, were asking questions about it. And so that at that point is when I bought a domain for it and I was like, okay, hey, I'm gonna make this like a project project. Um, and mm. yeah, I think, you know, there are spikes for sure, like some of them kind of go, people look at them and say like, oh, that's cool. And then I'll do one particular that connects with people and they'll say like, wow, this is really interesting. And it'll, you know, be shared quite a bit and people will ask more questions about it and want to inspect the code. And um, Does it
0: surprise you, the ones that become, the people become more interested in?
1: Yeah, I, it does. I think um, there are a few, especially early on, the ones that weren't as challenging I thought would people wouldn't be that interested in but I think those ones were it was I think maybe just visually the ones that were harder to grasp what was happening um were ones people responded to as opposed to just the ones that were hard to create if that makes sense
0: yeah can you again can you um so that folks can we'll we'll have a link to this page but can you give me an example of a couple of those that <clears throat> people really responded to in some of the early ones?
1: Yeah, so like the some of the early ones were um, like the breakfast, which has some like pancakes. and Yeah, so that one actually was pretty straightforward to make. A lot of the shapes are pretty similar. That's a lot of circles. Um, but a lot of people actually responded to that one. Like, wow, how, did, how are there so many different shapes on it? And I think that's the difference between maybe something like the battery or mm. the camera or something where it's kind of one object as opposed to like lots of little objects. And so I think you're breaking your thought process of like, oh, a div is like one thing, when the breakfast mm. is like a bunch of little things, right? Even like that you can draw all of these different little types of components within one HTML element, I think was um, something that people attached to, as opposed to, um, you know, this one particular object that does have a lot of shading or detail, but I think that was easier to grasp initially.
0: Yeah, so the breakfast one, I'm actually looking at it right now. I'm looking at your site as we talk. The breakfast one, you said it was not hard to break down.
1: It, it wasn't or it wasn't hard to do initially. Um, I think it was one that was just a little bit clearer. Um, a lot of it is box shadows, um, multiple box shadows. And that was just a little bit easier to construct than some of the other ones where I had to really think about how to use like a combination of CSS properties to make the effects.
0: Yeah, that's interesting how, what was not that hard to make other people perceived to be so challenging to make, Mm -hmm. this one in particular, right? Mm -hmm. I guess it's because of, you know, and that's part of the project, isn't it, right? You're pushing against the idea of maybe what CSS is or what we can do with CSS.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, and I think a lot of people know that you can do, multiple box shadows, but the, the reasoning to do that or the, the, you know, you can put 50 if you wanted to, right? And I think that concept of like, um, using these co- properties to such extremes, I think was an interesting, like first thing to think about when you're looking at these
0: Yeah. And that's pretty early on. This looks like it's about your fourth photo, uh, picture in Mm -hmm. what, what was one that was actually harder to make that maybe that people didn't either, you know what I mean? I guess, I don't know if there's an absence of something If that's hard to tell, but maybe some that might've been harder to make than, 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 than people responded to or realized.
1: Um, gosh, I don't know. I think, the one of the hardest ones that I've ever worked on was the candy cane, which is actually pretty recent. It's closer to the top of the um, the site. That one, I'd been thinking about how to do a candy cane for probably years <laughs> of, because it, hmm. it was just a, it was a complicated one for sure. Um, and then.
0: What made that complicated? I look at that and I, I'm like, I kind of get that. but. Yeah. But I don't know that I do. I mean, I'm obviously not an illustrator or a developer, so, you know, my opinion is probably really not relevant here. Um, but, but what made it so hard?
1: I think it was one, so one of the things I struggled with was the hook of the candy cane um, being transparent, like where there isn't candy cane. So that that's kind of a rule that I also try to stick with, is that if I were to change the background color of its container that it wouldn't affect the drawing like the drawing itself is a contained unit um and so making that true of the candy cane was really difficult with only um you know the one div and then making it look sort of realistic as opposed to um more illustrative
0: it is really realistic i was noticing that i mean i thought it looks like almost like a photograph
1: yeah i wanted it to look or the stripes especially to look almost as if you know the candy cane has form, it has like three-dimensional form, and that was a challenge.
0: Right, because it's almost like I can see the shine on it, as Mm -hmm. if there's a light shining on the candy cane, right? Like as if it would be in real life.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Was that one that folks responded to as much? Like how did you do that or no?
1: No, it wasn't. I think that, I think also I've realized that like if I release, I released those four in a row, the candy cane and the candy corn and all those as a group. And I found that sometimes, if I release them as a group, there's less. I get less questions about any individual one. Um, and so sometimes, if I release just one at a time and I share it, like more people will be like, "Oh, this. I'm gonna like dig into this one and then ask questions about it."
0: Ah, got it, got it. So it might not. It may not have been just. Yeah. That I love the recent ones. This whole Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, those to me look complicated
1: yeah i mean they are you know as i go i think using the css properties in kind of different ways um and over like how the images overlap to create new images that's something i'm exploring right now Um, but yeah they are pretty complicated i think you know i'm trying to with each new one kind of try something different and push myself Mm,
0: so and what do you mean by try trying something different like do you do you come into that drawing thinking I want to try X Uh,
1: or no? Yeah, I think sometimes. So like with the Star Wars ones, you know, I was thinking, oh, can I take something that's really recognizable um, and turn it into an illustration, one that can be done with a single div, but also that has some sort of style to it that isn't just a direct, you know, copy of the thing. Um, So like doing faces is always kind of a challenge with CSS. And so kind of, creating a little, like, icon series of these Star Wars women um, was kind of a unique challenge. And then, like, recently, the I did um, some repeated patterns, which I hadn't tried before. So, like, CSS backgrounds, you can have repeating. And so I was playing with that concept of creating um, patterns with the CSS, where you could essentially put them in the background of your site. Those are the pizzas and the donuts? Yep, yeah.
0: Got it. Oh, I thought that was actually a a banner on the site.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So those are, those are, each one of those is a drawing and basically it's using this background uh, repetition that CSS allows to create those patterns. So you can actually scale and um, resize those. Cool.
0: Wait, I want to go back to the Star Wars. Why are faces so hard to do?
1: Faces are hard just because they're so organic. I think there's, just mm. if you were to do a, sh- a face realistically, I think it would be really hard. There's a lot of different shapes and grooves, and um, you know, different lighting that would occur on a face. That you could, I think, you could do it if you had a lot more HTML to work with. Um, with a single div, I think it would be difficult. You are almost limited to like you want to draw something that has a lot of like similar lines and shapes that you can kind of manipulate mm. together. And a, f- a face just has so many different types of shapes and types of um, lighting and things like that. And so you almost have to like really simplify it down to cartoon or icon kind of illustration style in order to make it seem face-like without, you know, when you start to go down the realistic path, it can get really complicated.
0: Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, which one out of these Star Wars ones was the hardest to make or were they all pretty Um, similar?
1: Yeah, I would say the... Uh, Holdo, which is the uh, purple hair, Um, Mm. getting the hair to do the wave was an interesting challenge. Um, It's a it's basically positioning some radial gradients in very specific spots to create that wave look. So that one was challenging. I think the um, Padme Amidala one with the adornment around her face, um, Mm. figuring that out was a challenge. So yeah, I think once I got those two kind of figured out, the other ones came a lot easier. Uh, but yeah, they were kind of I think a big challenge too was to make them all like look like they belong in this kind of same illustration series, but also that they uniquely look like the person that they're supposed to represent. Yeah, I
0: mean, I I I, I was sitting here trying to, to to guess which ones were the hardest. <laughs> like, yeah. how, where did she put effort in? I yeah, mean, not that I meant, it, but you know. I mean, they are. I think they're all pretty recognizable. I remember when I was cool. flipping by and I was like, wait, that looks familiar. Like I was just flipping through the page and then I was like, oh, oh, my gosh, I get what this is now. Right. It didn't yeah. take me very long. Awesome. Um, yeah, that that's that's really interesting. Do you think are you wanting to do more of those sort of like series of things? Because I think also if you look at the it seems like there's a bit of a theme with the candy cane there's like the candy cane and the candy corn and the and the lollipop um and the and the syrup it's like a sugar series you know is that kind of something you've been exploring because there's also like a monsters ink and then I'm just generally a monsters
1: yeah one thing that's nice about that i found is like oh well Not that i feel bad but sometimes i'll like do one and then i'll be like hey check out this new drawing and it's just the one that people go look at so i'm like oh well maybe i'll do like a handful and then there'll be like more things to look at when you visit the site so that's part of it and then also it's nice it's kind of fun to think about things um, as relational to each other like i think i think it is sometimes can be a little bit of a crutch where like a lot of my work does this but it's like referential to something that you already know about right and so i think that that does assist in Um, recognition of what the thing is and like just connection to it. And so I think there's some fun, um, you know, influence that you can play with, with like more recognizable things and in a series and how the, you know, three things relate to each other or four things or whatever it ends up being.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I want to go back to something that you said a little bit early about, I think what you said was that people sometimes push back against it. Yeah, or struggle with it. Can we talk about that?
1: Yeah. No, I like that there's pushback. I think it's good. I think it's something that um, art should have. You know, people who either don't get it or get it and disagree with it, or any of that. But so major um, pushback is one that it's not practical, which I absolutely agree with. (laughs) Um, Like you, if you. So when people
0: are mad, they want it to be more practical.
1: Yeah. I mean, they. I think they are I think more is that they're worried that someone might see it and be like oh this is how you draw images on the web and copy that technique or something like that Um, where I I feel like I've been very vocal about like hey if you're doing illustrations for a website you know there are better technologies for using SVG or even raster images um, which uh, are easier to maintain and are you know lots of other reasons why you would use those instead people do struggle a little bit with the idea of it being strictly an experiment as opposed to a showcase where it's something that you should do or copy. And so that's, that's an interesting argument. If you view it, I think what, when people come to that viewpoint from a place of like CSS and HTML are tools, they're um, practical, they're things that you use to like express intent and purpose and create apps and websites that are useful, as opposed to creating art, using them as tools to um, do something that isn't purposeful. (laughs) And so I like that conversation about like, what are our tools for?
0: Is it other illustrators or designers who are pushing against that? or, Or, I don't know, developers? Or, you know what I mean? Or is there, or is it just in general, people pushing back against, you know, this is not the, like the whole idea of experiment, and this is not the way that I'm using air quotes. It should be done.
1: Right. I think general, I think a majority are developers, but I think there are some designers and illustrators in there too. But I think it's a lot of people who are familiar with CSS and familiar with image creation techniques and building websites and don't want to, I think maybe they don't want to have to fight against something like this if it were ever to be brought into a real project or a project they're working on or um, something like that.
0: Oh, interesting, because what would be, what would they have to fight against? Like, what would be, do you know, I'm trying to understand what their
1: Yeah, I think perspective maybe, is. sure, like if maybe a designer they were working with, or an illustrator, I don't know, um, saw this technique and was like, oh, this is how we should do it. Um, and they'd have to potentially say like, no, this actually isn't a great use of time, or a great technique, or it's hard to maintain, and various things, and have to you know, advocate for things that they believe should already be known, or should there's already been a standard decided on, or things like that?
0: Ah, uh, and I this is probably gonna sound like a really dumb question. No. Nah. Um, why would this be harder for them to maintain?
1: Sure. So I think in my experience, at least the more complicated drawings, they are difficult to maintain. I think um if you When I go back to look at older drawings I've done, sometimes it takes me a little bit to kind of re-figure out what was happening. Unless you're really good at labeling your code, it can be a little bit, it can take time to decipher what's going on and changing one thing can affect lots of other things. And CSS, um, which is, I like this about the medium and uh, how it affects the project, but CSS is not supported in the same way by every browser. And so it's much less of a consistent way to create images um, if you were to use, you know, a more widely supported file type or something like that for your illustrations.
0: Mm, Interesting. Well, and I'm thinking about this whole notion of practicality versus uh, experimentation, right, or the idea of art, um, doing it for the art of it. And I'm wondering how a single div has related to or shifted or changed, let's say your the work that you do, you know, your day job.
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple things. And I know that I do say that it's not practical to use the techniques (laughs) that I've created here or that I use here. But it absolutely has taught me about CSS. It's taught me some tricks and some behaviors of properties that I now i'm realizing i didn't fully understand and so i do use things that i've learned and um, there are good applications for these types of techniques in sites you just have to figure out which ones are good for that and which ones aren't and this has helped me kind of decipher those and it's i think also it's just made me a better illustrator and so um, you know thinking about shape and form and line and color and all of these things that do help me with my more traditional illustration type work that i'm doing in illustrator or in sketch or some you know more traditional design program so i think it has affected my work it's made it's improved my skills for sure hmm.
0: I, that's what i kind of figured even though you say it's not practical I've, i feel like there's a lot of practice in this as you talked about earlier
1: mm-hmm.
0: right and and playing with constraints will help you learn and grow
1: Yeah. And I think CSS, you know, people say that CSS is an easy thing to learn, but a difficult thing to master. And I found that to be an interesting point of view, you know, even now I'm still learning things about CS properties that I initially found out about, you know, seven years ago. Right. And so there, I think there's always new things to learn, even about the things that we feel we're experts in. And Mm. that's been really interesting.
0: Uh, Yeah, that, that makes total sense that you can continue, you're continuing to grow and learn on CSS. I feel like, I don't know, I think you could master it, but it feels like there's always new things that you can do with it. You know, mm-hmm. How else can you apply it or use it that would take your mastery to yet another level?
1: Yeah, and as it relates to kind of the work that I did in art school, you know, I think the power of CSS is the combination of things. So you can take, you know, there are these things that exist separately, but when you combine them together are the things that make something really interesting or visually beautiful or work really well within a browser. And I think that's what a lot of what I did with like an intermediate program, which was, you know, taking these things that are purposed in a specific way and mixing them together to see something new.
0: Yeah, I, I, I love that mixing things together and seeing something new. I'm a big fan of like mashing things up. And what can you I always call myself like a collager. Ooh, cool. yeah, <laughs> of ev- of everything. like I like to put things together that you think should not go.
1: Right. I love that.
0: Uh, right. And like, what can you create out of that? and and I think there's something about your project that I love that it's simplicity, but it's also expanding boundaries about what we think we can do.
1: Yeah, it's been really fun. I think it's been educational fun, and just a cool thing to work on over a long time yeah, it's been
0: four years. And so you're still you're still doing it, right? Like yeah, you, I don't know how recent the Star Wars ones went up. Oh, and I guess the and the the donuts and pizzas. yeah. but you're still working on it.
1: I am. And you know, I take breaks. There's like months where I don't. and but what's nice about this project too is, you know, When I talk about side projects, there are some that are really intensive and take a lot of work, but these ones, this one in particular, actually, I can work on it one night and create a drawing and push it out there and then not work on it again for a couple weeks, and that's fine. And so it's cool. It's something to revisit. It's something that when I do update it, it's not a heavy lift. I can, you know, do one thing and be done with it, and I like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I totally get that. It would, it would break up sort of burnout or fatigue. Let's say if you're maintaining an open source project, right, that can right. become, that's, you know, more laborious on an ongoing basis, whereas yeah. you could, this is more discreet. You could do a drawing and push it out there. Right. Maybe let's say one of the harder Star Wars ones. Can you tell I'm a fan of Star Wars? Yes. Um, going back. Um, <laughs> but I also think they're they're really interesting because they're some of the most recent and they're challenging. Yeah. How long did maybe one of the harder ones take you to, to figure out?
1: Yeah, so from you know sketching on paper to kind of a finished piece, I'd say probably about like three hours.
0: Oh, that's not that long.
1: Yeah, it's, I can usually do one just in an evening Actually, the Star Wars ones, once I got the kind of face and head kind of arrangement figured out, each subsequent one kind of went faster, because I had already kind of figured that out. But yeah, I'd say on average, they'll range from like one to three hours.
0: Uh, Is that the longest you've spent on on one that you can remember?
1: Um, No, I think the Candy Cane one took me, so I worked on it for two nights. So that one was probably about like six hours, and then technically the cassette tape one, which I couldn't do initially and then came back right. to later to do, that one probably also took, you know, two or three days in terms of like an evening. I don't work on it all day, but it's, you know, one or three hours and then at, at nighttime.
0: Right. Well, and I remember you said the cassette tape when you thought, oh, maybe I can't do it. Has there been any others that you've abandoned and said, oh, I can't, this can't be done?
1: Uh, yeah, there are a few actually. One, um, which I revisit <laughs> semi-regularly um, is an after dinner mint I've been working on, like the round peppermints that come in the plastic with the like, uh-huh. with the yeah, I... serrated edge, you know? Yeah. Um, so I've been working on that and that one is difficult because of the standard I'm setting for myself of like wanting it to be super realistic looking.
0: Uh, more like the candy cane sort of. In right.
1: That. Yeah. yeah. And so like what I'm struggling with is essentially the clear plastic packaging. I think like creating how the light would bounce off of and see through like a translucent shiny material like that so that's been an interesting challenge that i've been working on and have not at any point felt like i was doing a good job at it and so that's that's kind of a fun (laughs) one um where i think yeah i think i will get there but i think you know every once in a while i go back and revisit it and i think that creating that material in css has been super challenging
0: so like how often do you go back to that one
1: Um, Probably like every couple months, so not like super often, but I definitely, I have it saved and I revisit it. Sometimes I just throw it away and start from scratch and go back to what I did before. Um, But yeah, I'm hoping to get there someday.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like though, you're not discouraged by it. Like, I can't do this. It can't be done. It sounds like that you're enjoying the challenge of it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, some of them, I'll get to the point where I'm like, okay, this is, Once it's not fun anymore, I think is when I abandon it. And so, you know, I've always, though, liked revisiting things. You know, I think when you're learning how to paint or do art, it's, you know, paint, you know, one of our painting classes, we painted just a self-portrait 15 times. Right. And so as you revisit the thing that you're challenged by, you like see new things, you learn new things, and hopefully Mm -hmm. you get to a point where you feel like you've got it, you know? Mm
0: Hmm. Have there been any that you have abandoned that you won't go back to?
1: You know there are, and now I don't really remember what they are. I think I like just kind of dumped them out of my brain (laughs) once (laughs) I
0: I'm over this, you're done, goodbye.
1: But I know there are. I think there are some where I would try it. Like sometimes I don't get past the sketch portion either, where I'm like, eh, this doesn't feel like something I want to explore. Because
0: it's about the, I, I get this like sense that you're exploring something.
1: Yeah, that's, that
0: feels like the when you said that word. I'm like, yes, that's what it feels like you're doing.
1: Yeah, I think like sometimes I'll pick something that's really difficult. Ooh, one of them that was actually pretty hard was uh, Nibbler who's a character from Futurama. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's... um... My
0: partner loves Futurama. Oh, awesome. Yeah, but is it... Nibbler is the one...
1: It's on a red background. It's like a little alien kind of thing.
0: Yes, that's what I thought. Yeah, he's got Futurama characters all over the house.
1: Yeah, oh, cool. (laughs) Nice. So yeah, that one actually was pretty difficult. And that one, I had kind of a moment of like, oh, I don't think I can do this. But that one was super fun to explore. I think that one was just doing a lot of different shapes, a lot of different approaches. It was neat to explore also the way that it, he was drawn originally. And so I think I gained some appreciation too, for like the original animation of the character. And so I really enjoyed that.
0: And what made it so hard? Was it the variety of shapes?
1: I think it was the variety of shapes. And it was that this one, I tried to make it as close to the original as possible. Um, and it's something that people are really familiar with. And there are picture, reference pictures that people can look at. And so I was really trying to stay true to form on that one, too.
0: Well, and so what? how do you pick the next thing that you're going to work on? Like, I don't know if you're working on anything right now, but is it by something you want to explore? Is it that you find something in your environment? You know, like exploring that, like the the wrapper of the candy or you know uh, maybe photorealistic. I'm using words that are I'm sure are not right.
1: <laughs> no, that's totally right.
0: Photo photorealistic sort of illustration. You know how do you pick what you're going to do next?
1: So I have a kind of a list of things that I want to do. So some of them are oh, I'll just pick something that I see or that's an interesting material or an interesting shape that I'll try. Sometimes I've just got like a TV show or a movie stuck in my brain. So I'm like, Hey, maybe I'll like be able to do a character or a scene from that. And I'll kind of do a Google image search. I'll like kind of scour dribble, kind of look around at what other people are illustrating to get ideas. Like something might pop out to me. I'm like, ah, that's an interesting approach to this particular composition or something. And I'll just kind of create a list and then go through the list and say, Oh, this, this." (laughs) it's kind of like a gut feeling, I guess. Like I feel like diving into this one today and mm. sometimes I don't feel like diving into any of them and I kind of just like pl- you know listen to my motivation there t- to decide which one I, I look at yeah some of the recent ones So I guess it's not that recent anymore but um, there's one with that has like a, a needle point like um, I love CSS it's like a needle point hoop yeah and so that one what I was trying I was trying to think of the canvas of, or of the browser as part of the drawing. And so, yeah. like, right? And so, so some of them, I try to think about um, the medium specifically, and like, can I say anything about like the fact that this lives inside the browser? Or like, think about the browser as like a plane in this drawing, or like the repeating backgrounds. How can I use this kind of uh, this standard that we use in lots of designs to in a new way? So.
0: Well yeah because it, it lo- you, I can see when you really look at that um the I love CSS one you can see where it looks like the fabric it looks like fabric behind there you can mm-hmm. see where it might be pulled yeah. or pucker when when you would en- when you would embroider something you can mm-hmm. see that it's really was that hard to
1: do it was in some ways i think it was hard to visualize i think is where it was challenging once i kind of figured out okay basically i'm using these shadows to like simulate the light on fabric, then it was a little bit, I could kind of move things around and figure it out. But yeah, it was, how can I make it look like this, the the background of the browser is part of the drawing or is like a physical object in the drawing.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like sometimes the idea is you've got a movie stuck on your head or something stuck in your head, but other times it's, you really wanna play with the medium. Mm -hmm. specifically like, for example, this one.
1: Yeah. And again, it's
0: like you go to the gut instinct of where you want to go next.
1: Mm
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, you've been doing this for four years. It sounds like you're going to continue doing this, I guess, until you get tired of it or?
1: Yeah, probably.
0: (laughs) Just keep doing it. Four years is a long time. I mean, is this one of your longer projects, like something that's kept you fascinated this long?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think the longevity is that I keep learning and having fun with it. So that's good. And that I can contribute to it in pieces. So I've been able to keep it going for so long. I guess the only other one that feels similar is my portfolio, which I redesign every year. And so it's a much less, a less frequent contribution, but I have been doing it for 10 years. So every year, It keeps getting later and later into the year. It used to be like in April, now it's in December. But um, I do like a full redesign of my site, which has a lot of similar benefits. Like, you know, by the time I'm ready to redesign, there's usually some new technology that I want to try out, you know, the trends and kind of overall feeling of web design is kind of shifting. Um, I have maybe some new work to include and also just like want it to look different. It's time for something fresh. So I redo my portfolio every year.
0: So you'll do the, the, you know, redo the portfolio this year, and you'll do some more drawings on a single dip. But are there any other projects that you have in the back of your head? Other projects you're thinking about taking on?
1: I do. Yeah, I have a couple that are in motion, some just smaller projects. I like to team up with some developer friends to, you know, do some of the more complicated ones. And so actually one project we've been working on, which we (laughs) missed our deadline, but we're uh, (laughs) building and Academy Awards, like bracket type app where you can pick all the winners you think are gonna win and then it ranks you against other people. Um, and so we're oh, working fun. on that right now. Yeah, so that's just a fun little one that I think could, we could apply to other award shows, but for now it's the Academy Awards and we keep kind of missing the deadline, but we'll get there hopefully by this next one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then another thing I'm doing, which actually already is a project that exists, but YAZ is a site that I built Um, and what yes. it, yeah. It, It's basically right now just a list of facts about arizona like why it's fun to live and work here and um, i'm actually taking it over this summer completely Um, i was working on it with uh, melt media which is an agency in here in phoenix Um, but i'm going to be taking it over completely this summer and expanding it to include um, a storytelling series which will i want to pair writers and artists from arizona to write stories about arizona landmarks and Institutions and people, and, and kind of expand YZ into a much larger creative effort. And so, I'm still in the planning phase for that, but I'm pretty excited about it. I think that'll be a neat, a neat thing to work on.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you enjoy always having lots of little projects because here's for the experimentation, for the the. I think the conversation, right? What we were talking about, like with art, there's a conversation that happens with these things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But do you ever do them to make money?
1: I don't. I think I don't know. It, it's never been a motivator for me. I've always had a day job that has supported me, and that's been fine. <laughs> yeah. And I've always kind—I've of, never had a job I didn't love, and so um, I've never felt want for that. But I think a lot of the things that I make just would be bad at making money, and so um, I just try not to make that a like a center part of it. I think YZ actually might be the first one where I'm going to try and do some fundraising, but probably not to make money, but more just in order for us to create all the content we want. I don't know. I wonder if maybe making money from something would add some sort of pressure or make it more of a job. I don't know how I'd feel about that. Maybe one day I'll do that and it'll be wonderful. But so far it hasn't been a motivator or anything that I've needed to include. So I'm, I'm lucky in that sense that I'm able to just kind of play.
0: You know, on the show, we talk to lots of independent creators. You know, some absolutely want to make money and for others, they don't. And why we create is fascinating to me. And, and what happens when we attach commercial value to it or, or a, 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 a wanting to drive commerce from it. Yeah, sounds like for you, you enjoy the creation and the experimentation.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's, I don't know, it's always just a fun little passion project. And so it's just being silly, having fun and doing it when I can. And, you know, I think I'm trying to think of one of the ones that we probably could have made money off of, which was airport codes, a friend of mine, um, Nick Crone, he's a developer, he helped me build that. And that one, I think we actually got a lot of requests to include advertisements like direct requests from airports wanting to have specific information on there and things but in order to make the site as beautiful as it is we actually used a lot of creative commons licensed photography and so in all of those licenses there's just very specifically, you can't make money off this site. And so that was a restriction we had, but also it was kind of nice. I think we just, it made a very clear limitation for us. And so if people said, hey, we want to sponsor this, or we want to be like, well, we can't, you know, and so it made it really easy and a lot less pressure when we were creating it.
0: The theme I'm sort of getting is that there's a way in which you embrace limitations.
1: Yeah, I think, totally. I think it, you know, as, a, as artists, sometimes we, Think oh I want like full rain or full creativity and I can do whatever I want and things and while that's true with a lot of these projects you know I think um, where we can be really creative is where we impose limitations and. Uh, you know, we have to think about things a little bit differently.
0: Well, and I, I love that because it plays against what we think, right? Again, you, you said like we want creative freedom, We, you know, but I think that can be crippling sometimes.
1: Yeah. Where, where do
0: I start? Where, where what do I do with this? What are the boundaries of this?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It can be almost too overwhelming.
1: Yeah. I think I would talk to someone recently about that where they're like, I just have trouble starting. Like how do you figure out what to work on or where to start? And then how do you not abandon it or feel overwhelmed? And I think, a big part of that is to say like, okay, I'm going to pick this one thing and it's limited to this. And so it's manageable and it's just like creating kind of just guidelines for yourself to start.
0: So I know we're talking about creation and experimentation and and all these wonderful things. And I want to go to something the opposite of that, which is I notice that your projects have had quite a bit of nice coverage, right? You've been featured in, you know, Vox and CNN, net magazine, you know, you've been featured in some pretty good places. How did that happen?
1: Yeah, I think some of it was very organic. Um, actually, probably most of it, I think the biggest contributor to people finding out about my projects is Twitter. Actually, I think I've just been very, I mean not super vocal but anytime i make something i share it on twitter um i do you know when i do a new single div i tweet about it when i release a new project i tweet about it and sometimes i'll blog about it um but that's I mean, about the extent of what I do in terms of like outward marketing for the projects. And I think a lot of news outlets now are just looking on Twitter for ideas. I don't think they know a lot of people are sharing things on there. And so that's kind of how it's been a lot of it catches on someone shares it, another person shares it, and then it, you know, comes across the desk of someone at CNN or something. And so it's been really kind of wild. And they'll reach out and we'll do some interviews. And it always I, I always kind of feel starstruck about it or you know, kind of incredulous that, you know, people are so interested, but yeah, it's been really cool. I think with net magazine, a friend of mine, Carolina shared my project with them. And so a lot of it is to just people responding well to it and connecting with it and wanting to show their friends and wanting to share it with people they know will like it. Like one of the things that I talk about with my work is that I hope that at least one other person will be like, oh my gosh, this site was just made for me right? Like, I think if I can do that with like one person, that's awesome. Sometimes it's a lot of people, which is really cool. Like with airport codes, a lot of, you know, aviation nerds kind of reached out to me and talked to me about airplanes. And that wasn't a crowd that I realized was going to attach themselves to this project, which was really neat. What's been unique about these projects is just that it's something someone connects with in a way that they want to share it with someone else. And that's really been the way that they've kind of grown and people have more and more people have visited and... And then the press kind of reached out because of that.
0: Well, and I, it also strikes me going back to what we talked about, which is that you don't create, you don't create these things to make money. I think in some ways, I was just reading an article the other day about how like we're all being sold all the time. Like the democratization of the web and social media that were being sold all of the time. Right. We're yeah. used to just advertisements and being sold something and buy something. And so to speak, like a, you know, like, what's the agenda, you know, mm-hmm. what, are you, what are you trying to sell me with your webinar? You know, what's what, what is your $3,000, you know, right. product going to be at the end? Mm-hmm. What strikes me about the work that you're doing is I feel free, I feel free to look at it, engage with it. And I'm not looking for a hidden agenda or what you're trying to sell me. And so I think it allows me to feel more free to enjoy it.
1: Oh, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. yeah that's
0: what that's what strikes me about it as i as we talk about this, I'm staring at this. I'm like, right. it it's just the joy and the playfulness and the experimentation comes across. and I don't feel like I have to hold my guard up or wonder what you're gonna try to sell me,
1: yeah. I think people can tell when someone if someone just is really passionate about something, and I think, you know, some of these sites, it's like, well, no one would make this unless they're just completely obsessed with it, right? And so I think that comes across too, where it's just like, hey, this is just this thing that I absolutely love, and I wanted to share it with people, and hopefully they'll get something out of it.
0: And I, I realize, like, I want more of this on the web.
1: Me too. <laughs>